0: so here's what i want to say uh all of you moms um i would have you stand but after this last year you're too tired and uh and so i won't make you stand but we want you to know that we love you and care about you and uh, what a year huh what a year! Well, actually, I'm, I I wrote that in my notes, and then I thought, you know, there's some moms out here going, "What a year! What do you mean, what a year? What a one year, one month, two weeks, seven days, four hours, and 32 minutes it's been since this quarantine was declared. Uh, wow, it's been crazy. We want you to know that we are we understand you. Have, it's been rough, and you guys have been so incredible. We're so proud of you. And today, I just want to affirm you in all that you've done, and uh, just say thank you for your commitment, and and uh, yeah. Yeah, and just let you know what you do matters. And uh, we're going to talk, talk a little more about that. I thought first, though, I ought to share some things with you. Um, here's some, here are some, um, uh, some tweets that have come out just recently um, from moms. Um, I don't want to sleep like a baby. I want to sleep like my husband. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Turns out if you wear jeans for five days in a row, they get all baggy and it's like you've lost weight. <laughs> I'm going to try that one. Uh, my four year old said, It wouldn't be funny if she was a queen and I was her servant, and we both laughed, and then I cried because that's my life. <laughs> Another one his teacher lied when she said he was a pleasure to have in class. <laughs> Schooling, home, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, can we just practice social distancing at home as well, please? <laughs> Uh, let's see, um, you're bored. There's 432 Amazon boxes in the garage, build something. <laughs> let's see, here's somebody reporting on how it was going at home. Not sure what my kids are watching in the next room, but my morning meetings, morning, morning meetings have had a very suspenseful soundtrack. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, today we did math. If you have three kids and they're awake roughly 13 hours in the day and you're trying to work from home, how many times will you hear the word snack? <laughs> I, like, I like this one. This is day 11. My kids are playing outside, washing rocks from the landscape. One of them is naked. <laughs> it happens. Wore a bathrobe to parent-teacher conference. <laughs> Reply to the Nigerian prince, we're going to have a fall wedding. I thought they were funnier than you did, evidently. (laughs) Let me me give you some things that may not be quite as funny. Uh, During the pandemic, moms were 80% responsible for all housework. 66% were responsible for all child care. 75% were responsible for overseeing distance and remote learning. That's moms. Father's Day is coming, guys. I'm going to keep this. We'll talk about it. Um moms in general, uh, of, of young children get about five hours sleep. They change about eight diapers a day. They spend about four hours trying to feed the baby and the kids. And they do about uh, a load and a half of laundry per day. And 61.8% of new moms are still in the workforce. Moms you have had a year, you have had a year. And we just want to say, thank you. Let me just point out, uh, not, it's not just enough. I don't think to say thank you, but to I wanted to identify and articulate, both from scripture and from my observation, the things we appreciate. It's always nice to say, oh, I love you, you're great. But when we can be specific, I wanna be specific about some things. And, uh, and because here's the deal, there are no perfect mothers, but you have found a way Thousands of ways, maybe millions of ways to be really good moms in a really tough situation. And so I just want to say thank you in some s- specific ways. Uh, the first one is I just want to say thank you for creating environments that allow growth, creating environments that allow growth. You, uh, you may on a given day think you're just making a meal or are or, or taking care of the house or whatever it might be, but you're doing something important. Proverbs 24, three and four says, by wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established through knowledge. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Those little children are rare and beautiful treasures. And you have built that home uh, where they can, where they can thrive. Some some important things happen in your home. You, You allow a safe place for those kids to, to become. So I was, I was reading this thing recently and and it's about you know it was the pandemic. I got bored, so I was reading this thing about underground, uh, mostly uh, underground, um, hot houses or greenhouses where you can actually grow vegetables in the winter in Minnesota. Okay. And what they do is they dig down deep enough below the frost level. You don't know anything about that in California, but the, the ground freezes down to a certain depth, depending on where you are and how cold it is and how long. And they would dig down below that to where the earth has a consistent temperature of 50 to 60 degrees. And then they would dig a little deeper and they would allow that warmer air at the bottom to come up into this. And when they would put something over the top, usually glass that would allow the, the, the sun to heat the back and de- during winter, this is so protected from the environment outside and so protected that you could actually grow vegetables in these greenhouses. And I was thinking to myself, um, what a weird article to read. But the other thing I was thinking to myself was that's what moms do. Moms build bunkers of safety. You see, home is the place where they have to let you in. No, it's the place where the heart is. There's all kinds of sayings about home. If you look it up, actually, there are dozens of quotes about the home. Why? Because that is the the starting place of growth in life. And moms, you set that up. You dig down, you make it a place where it is safe, where it is comfortable, where children are allowed to grow and to become. Now, um, uh, in, in this kind of thought pattern, I want to read Isaiah 32, 18, my people will live in peaceful uh, dwelling places in secure homes and in undisturbed places of rest. This is about that safe bunker that your children can come to. By the way, I read this, uh, this week, uh, this week, having kids turned my house into a junk drawer, <laughs> uh, cleaning house with a toddler is completely pointless. thought those both interesting but the reality is you found ways to create this safe environment where kids can grow and a part of that is that you extend to them grace and you make it a place of peace where love acceptance and forgiveness can be learned can be received can become a part of who they are that's what you do moms that's not usually a dad's primary gift love acceptance and 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 forgiveness moms you do that and we're so grateful um I I don't know about moms, everything about the sayings that moms have. I don't know what moms say now. I, I, when I was growing up, one of my moms saying was, well, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you, you know, and I'm thinking in the last year, the saying would have been, if everybody's jumping off a bridge, I'm going too because I got to get out of here. <laughs> not a healthy thing to say. Um, not only places of safety, but even little pockets of pockets of, of grace uh, where kids can just experience unconditional love. And it begins to be a foundation of life for children from the very earliest age. That's what you do, mom. You also bring stability. There are routines. Now, you may think you're fixing dinner, but what you're doing is you're creating routine that when everything is uh, in upheaval, everything is being changed. Everything is all messed up. It has been for the last uh, several months. In that, you see, no, we still have dinner together as a family. You provide those routines that bring stability. And in those routines, you're not just fixing dinner. You're not just making him sit on the table. You are reaffirming priorities. No, we're still a family. We can't go to work right now, but we're still a family. You can't go to school right now, but we're still a family because family is what matters. So you're doing some really important things and you thought you were just making mac and cheese. Uh, you're not only reaffirming priorities, but you're reinforcing values. No, these are things we do. Whether we can, we can go out or we, we can't go out, these are still things we do. Um, So many families during the pandemic watched church together online because that's something we do. We are reaffirming values that if the whole world goes to pieces, we're still in relationship with God. We still love each other. And that's who we are. And that's what you do in that in that greenhouse of growth that you've created for your children. Um, In Psalm 119, 5. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. You see, the routines, the structures you put in place help bring steadfastness. That means not getting blown around by everything that comes along. Just being solid, just being there. We're still doing dinner. We're still family. We're still going to make it. That's what you're saying to your children. I think in extreme times of change, we need those kinds of stable structures in life. And that's what you do, mom. And we appreciate it. Also, um, in, that, in that bunker of growth there, that, that greenhouse of growth that you guys created, you women created, it's really, um, it, it includes physical touch. It includes it includes hugs and it includes uh, in my house it was wrestling because I have two brothers and, uh, and my mom was raised, raised with three brothers so she was good and uh, and that's how we express love but it could be it could be hugs it could be tickles it could be it could be cuddles watching something even kisses when they're little and all of those things are important now let me let me talk to you for a moment as a as a former uh, youth pastor um, those kids who don't get that kind of attention. We'll find it somewhere around age 13, if not sooner. And so parents, dads, when those little girls start becoming young women, still hug them. Okay. Still hug them. Do it appropriately. You understand, but hug them. And moms, one of my favorite memories is a friend of mine who has three boys. They're all over six, five. And mom's about five ten. And as adult boys out of the home, every time I see mom and the boys in the same setting, one of the boys has his arm around mom at all times. It's just the way it is. That's just how they, they know they behave because that's mom and, and we do that. So moms, I'm, I'm just going to give you this as a former youth pastor. If you've got a teenage boy and you'll know that because they start smelling bad. You, you no longer want to go in their room because it's bad. There's stuff living in there but when they start smelling bad and getting hair in weird places and they don't know what to do with themselves, you don't stop hugging them. You don't stop being mom. You turn up the volume a little bit. You know what? And if it's in front of their friends and they're embarrassed by it, so much the better. Just do it. Just teach those big old boys that you're still mom and you still love them and you're still going to hug them and they need to deal with it. And they're going to act like they hate it. But let me tell you something they will appreciate it. Because mom is the one who brings stability. Mom brings structure. Mom reminds me that I am unconditionally loved. And and there's nothing that will ever cause her to not love me. And hugging is one of the ways you do that. And we appreciate you so much for that. Uh, Even if we don't admit it when we're 16. Uh, Another thing that moms do is not only provide an environment of safety, Um, They also uh, uh, instruct. Here's what it says in Proverbs 1.8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Moms, you are teaching. You are teaching an awful lot. And even in a moment, you don't realize it. You're teaching. As a matter of fact, I read this quote a lot. There's a lot to be learned between the delivery room and the dorm room. Mom's going to do a lot. Dad needs to help. and But mom's going to do a lot of that instruction. And there's some things that can't be outsourced. And instruction about life can't be outsourced. You need to be involved in the instruction of your children. Don't expect the, the school to fix it, uh, especially in issues of morality. Hey, don't expect the church to do it because we're not that influential in your kids' lives. We want to support what you're teaching them. And so moms, keep it up. Keep telling them the truth. Keep pointing them in the right direction. There are two things that mom, the uh, most important things that I think moms teach their children. One is to live wisely. It says in Proverbs 22, six, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. They will not depart from it. I read a tweet this week says my five-year-old decided to count to a thousand in his head. It's the most peace I've had in a year. (laughs) We're always having these conversations with children about, did you make good decisions today? Did you make good decisions today? That's a very important question. Helping children make good decisions to live wisely. And, and learning how to do that. And there's three things I think you do and you do it very well and it's needed more now than ever. And the first one is to teach your kids to have some common sense, because I think common sense is becoming increasingly uncommon in the society in which we live. I mean, there's just no brainers that somehow we're struggling with and it's, just, it's silly. Moms, call it, call it out, call it what it is. No, that's silly. We both know that's silly. We're not, you know. I don't care if your friend believes that. Somebody else believes that. Let's just look at this. Let's have some common sense about this. That's a part of what, in, instilling wisdom and teaching them to make good decisions. Also, warning and, and teaching your kids about cultural influences. Just because it says it on TV or the commercial says it, doesn't mean it's true. And be constantly. And, and instruction is not about sitting down and and doing the the books thing. Alone, evidently the last year it's been about that, but it's about as you go through life, as you walk through life, helping them understand. My best story about this, I've told this so many times over the years, but when I was a young father and, uh, and I, a friend of mine had children who were teenagers, they were in my youth group and he was an author and a friend and, he was, and they were traveling in another city and you may remember me telling this story and, and they were walking downtown and just in front of them, some guy, some, uh, someone who's quite inebriated got thrown out of a bar into the gutter and the dad and, and the kids just kept walking. Mom and dad kept walking. And finally, one of the kids said, dad, what was that? And I, I don't know how he came up with it, but it was so brilliant. He said, that's the other half of the beer commercial. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have come up with, I, give me a year, I wouldn't have come up with that. But just like that, that's the other See, you live in a world that's going to try to convince your children that things that are true are not true and things that are not true are true. You need to realize there are issues in our culture. They're going to try to convince your kids, not to mention amongst their peers as they become teenagers, that are just wrong. And if you teach your kids along the way to recognize that we don't go by what culture says the talk that Cody gave a few weeks ago about our family, we live differently. That's a powerful thing to do. I, I, I don't care if Johnny's parents says Johnny can do that. I'm not Johnny's dad, <laughs> right? I'm your dad and I know what's best for you. And we're going to talk about why that's best for you and how we're going to make these decisions. And so you not only teach them common sense, you teach them to be on guard against a culture that all too often isn't going to do things that are going to help them and then help them in that process. Moms, you help them develop their own personal convictions. Now, I believe for moms, there are times when you say, cause mommy said so. I mean, I've gotten to that point, and I'm a dad, and I said, Mommy said so. Because Mommy says, you go talk to her, because she's the one who decided. At some point, a child needs to move from, because Mom said so, to, yeah, I think that's a better way to live my life. Yeah, I think that's a better decision. And talking with your family, moms, talking with your kids about, oh, we would never we always see there are things in your life that are non-negotiable and your kids need to know that because their life is going to be built on things that are non-negotiable. And if they don't have anything that's non-negotiable, they'll just fall for anything, right? There are things they need to stand for or they'll fall for anything. And so what you do, moms, as you talk about that, we as a family, we don't do that. Oh no, we don't, we don't, right? We we don't do that, right? You are teaching them to make decisions because the children will make decisions and then the decisions will make them And so one of the things you're doing, mom, in those times we've talked about this 30 times, talk about it one more time. Because you're helping them own those decisions, helping them make good decisions, helping them become the kind of people they need to be. Um, Not only do you help them live wisely, but you, you help them listen in order to learn. I think this is a really hard one in this day and age, maybe harder than ever. In an age of electronics where they can be on a, uh, uh, playing a game at any given time, anywhere they are, it is so hard to teach children to listen. I watch you young parents and I go, man, I don't know how, I, it's addictive, right? Those games are addictive. They are. They're addictive to me, much less a little child. It changes your brain chemistry. The way it's wired, it really does. I'm not saying you should never play them. I'm saying it needs to be just a little tiny part of their experience and teach them to listen, to interact. Here's what you can get on Google. You can get some facts on Google. You can get some data on Google. You cannot get wisdom. You cannot get relational skills. There's so many things you can't get online. That's where teaching your children to listen is so important. And I applaud you for fighting that battle. Keep it up. It gets tiring. I understand. It's usually give them a screen, tell them to leave you alone. That's okay for a few minutes. Eight hours in a shot, probably a little much. The battle that you have to help them learn to listen. Here's what you're doing. You're helping them idea, ID or identify sources of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't come from Johnny down the block. And it doesn't come from the screen that you're looking at usually. Wisdom comes from someone that you know, that they know, who trusts God and is living according to his word. Teach them where to find wisdom. Because the most important questions like aren't data-based, they're wisdom-based. wisdom based And so helping them identify wisdom. And to this end, I would encourage you to continue. I I see this all the time around here. I see women in women's groups or mom's groups where they're getting with other mothers and and they're doing play dates. So the kids play with each other, whatever it is. Um, uh, Those are invaluable. Those are really important because not only are you saying something about how life should be lived. Some other parents are also. And by the way, they're great informants. You need other. You know that, right? As those kids reach teenage years, you need informants. You need people to help you keep up. You never ever tell the kids you have informants. You just tell them you're omniscient. (laughs) You know everything. My, My daughter especially grew up in this church, and she has aunties. She has aunties to this day. She's grown and married and has a great life, but she has aunties. One of her aunties moved away and she's coming back into town in a few weeks. She's looking forward to aunties, other adults where they can find wisdom. Whether it's a youth pastor, a Sunday school teacher, other people join a small group, by the way, so they know the other couples and they know that there's wisdom to be had because wisdom is short supply. Listen to this, Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. There are places you need to get wisdom. Um, I have time. I'm going to throw this one at you. Um, If you are a person who is instructing your children in the ways of the Lord, a mom especially, congratulations. Good for you. It's the most important thing you can do. I've met so many parents over the years who themselves aren't particularly religious or have no faith really. And they say, well, I I don't want to bias the kids. I want to let them decide for themselves. I was driving out of my neighborhood yesterday, and there is a house uh, in which the owners of the house have decided to do that with their lawn. They don't want to bias the lawn in any way, so they didn't plant any grass seeds or put any turf in there. They just let the lawn decide for itself. It's awful. I'm going to go mow it myself this week. I'm going to try to influence that lawn in a way that I think would be beneficial for it and for me. That's a lot funnier than you gave me credit for, because that's just (laughs) funny. Let me just encourage you moms, if it feels like it's hard to get your kids to church, it's, it's a lot of energy to go to Bible study. Let me tell you, it is worth it. Guide them, direct them, help them know that there's a God who loves them. It's the best way to live life. They need to know that. Um, and then uh, lastly, um, moms, you model, you model for your children, some wonderful things. You model what it is to know God. You model what it is to pray, to invite him into your situation. It's not a bad thing to, in front of your children, pray and say, God, I I don't know what to do. Can you please guide us? Or I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. God, please help us. By the way, one of the things I would suggest you do is pray every chance you get with your kids. Whether it's at mealtime or it's going to bed or it's even before they go to school or you hold hands. We do this all the time. Hold hands in a circle and, and pray together before you leave on a trip, vacation or something. Just pray every chance it's natural. It's a part of the deal. We're supposed to be talking to God all the time anyway, right? And by the way, let me give you a little hint, moms. If you will pray over your children in front of them, it's a power, not the, not the prayer where God, I don't know why you gave me this kid. I wish you just, not that, that's the wrong prayer. That's the wrong one. You pray that quietly in your closet, but... Um, Let me tell you something. You begin to pray over little Johnny and you begin to say, Lord, I thank you that you gave Johnny to us. He is a special gift. We're so thankful. We're so we're so thankful that he's caring and that he loves people. And you begin to identify those things in his life that are obvious gifts from God. You begin doing let me tell you something, little Johnny's gonna see little Johnny differently. He's gonna begin to think about himself differently. If there's a parent who loves them that much and God was in on it, that's a pretty good deal. And by the way, when you get done praying praying that prayer, there won't be, uh, among the adults, there won't be a dry eye in the group. Because it's a powerful thing, prayer. Moms, you model prayer for those kids. What a wonderful thing. And you love them productively. Here's what what 1 John 3.18 says. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. With actions and in truth so today I was trying to think about how we should end our, our Mother's Day deal and, and in that passage I just read to you it says we don't just love with words we want to love with actions and so today I've decided on an action I'm going to invite the band up and I've decided on an action because all of us can say happy Mother's Day and we can even buy mom by the way I saw a line outside gourmet pie at 8 o'clock it must have been 150 people in line to buy their mom lunch I bet she'd like it better if you just cleaned her garage frankly but <laughs> lunch is shorter so we'll go with that Today, I don't want to be the kind of person that just says, um, yeah, moms, we love you. Or are surprised. No, I want to help you out. We want to give you a gift. So everybody got a card. Everybody got a card. Would you take that out right now, please? If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. We have ushers ready to hand them out. Oh, we have lots of people who got hands raised. Hustle up, guys. Let's go. We got to move right there. Just start handing them out. Just throw them at them if you need to. We get these out there quick. Okay. Oh Here we go. Come on. Man. All right. So while you're getting the card, here's what it is. It's just a simple thing. I'm going to give you a hard sell like I've never given you before. Here's the deal: we have hundreds of kids showing up in our children's department now. We're so excited. We believe the last year has been really rough on moms and really unfair to children. We honestly be part of why we've pushed so hard to get our children's department and it's safe. They're in smaller groups. They're separated. We keep the mask on them as much as we can. We do all the stuff we need to do. But we believe the children have been um, have have experienced something last year that's just really unfair and uh, obviously not beneficial and um, and we really want them here let me tell you the challenge we have hundreds of kids last week we had just under 400 kids right we have 76 percent of our children's volunteers have not come back yet 70, yes. I don't know why. I can't figure out what it is. I don't know yet. We'll do some research. I'm hoping they'll come back. But the reality is I'm not waiting for them to come back to do our children's programming. These kids need to be together. These kids need to be having fun. It's safe. We're doing our best. We're disinfecting. We're doing all the stuff. we got them in smaller group. We've got all the stuff going on. But we believe for their their health, uh, their mental health, emotional health, spiritual they need to be in Sunday school. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to say you care about moms by signing up to do one one hour a month for the next three months. One out, You spend more time than that in a week getting coffee. One out. Now I asked them to send me over a couple of really sad kids to stand here while I was doing this. <laughs> and they, they, they haven't got here yet, but hopefully they'll be here. You're saying, wow, you're really giving me the hard sell. You have no idea how hard to sell I'm willing to do. I'm gonna start walking the aisles in a minute and asking you individually. That's not true. But I really believe in this. I believe if we're really a family. And these moms have had a hard year, and they have. And we care about these kids, and they've just been, just I, I just think it's been unfair what's happened to them. I want you to just give us an hour. You could be watching them. go down. We have a two-story slide over there. you know. We have two of them. We just need adults to stand at the bottom and make sure they don't land on top of each other. We need adults to help sign them in. We need adults to help teach a class or hold a baby. It's, it's easy. We'll give you something you can handle. E- even you, Grandpa, we'll give you something you can handle. If you really care about moms, I'm giving you the hard sell. Just give us your name, your phone number, and your email. When you get it filled out, you can put it up in the air. One of the ushers will grab it, or you can put it in one of the, the black boxes with the slots. I think they're on the way out. I don't know where they are. The offering boxes. And sign them. And just give us one hour a month, because we really want these kids to be here. They need to be here. It's important. And talk is cheap, okay? We care about these moms. So now, some of you are still looking at me. I'm not sure why you're not looking down. So what I, what I want you to do is look down and fill this out. I'm serious. If you're a guest with this, fill one out anyway. We'll put you to work. I'm kidding. But uh, so I asked the band to do something today. So I said, while well, they're filling this out, they need a little fun. So I asked them if they could do uh, Jesus Loves Me Metallica style. <laughs> I did. I'm not lying. You guys want to hear it? I think that's the elevator version of Metallica, but still pretty good, guys. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, we need about 200 people uh, to kind of fill out the roster. We also have a VBS that we need some help with. And if you'd be willing to do that, you will get contacted this week and uh, sign an hour or uh, a month or an hour a week, whatever you're willing to do. We would love to have you help out. At the end of three months, walk away and and we'll say thank you. But we just need uh, a little help in the short term. So as, uh, as I continue to card, uh, pick up the cards and continue to fill them out, let me finish with this and you guys can kind of bring it down. that will be fine. Uh, uh, I was having prayer time yesterday and I had an interesting thing happen. I was uh, thanking God for um, intervening in my life. It was a time when I was a teenager and I was running from, from what I knew God wanted me to be and who he wanted me to be and how I was supposed to live. Just really wanted to try it on my own. I made a royal mess of it. And I was just thanking God. And the thought came to me, and it has many times over the years, that where would I be if Jesus hadn't intervened in my life? And I, I rarely go down that path because I don't really want to think about what that would be. I'd probably be self destructive in some way. And so I just thank God for rescuing me. But then as I prepared for the talk yesterday, I realized this. Even if God hadn't intervened in a dramatic way in my life, my mom's voice would have still been there. You know, one of my mom's favorite sayings was, be sure your sins will find you out. I've always hated that one. I still hate it, but it's true. I also would hear my mom's voice saying, your life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. Scripture. My mom said it when we first saw our house burned to the ground when I was in freshman in college I'll remember that I also remember when when she would say things like all things work together for good for those who love God and live according to his purposes you see yes God intervened in my life but mom was there working on me the whole time too even after I was out of the house, even after I was no longer under her direct care. It was there. See, when you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they can't escape from it. They'll remember what is right and what is true. They'll remember what unconditional love feels like. So moms, maybe you have older children who've kind of taken a left turn like I did at one point. Maybe they're not turning up. By the way, I read this week that children are a little like flowers in a bouquet. There's always one facing the wrong direction. maybe you've got one in your life that's facing the wrong direction, I just want to encourage you today, as well as those of you who are actively investing in those children in your home, you're doing good. And they're not your children, they're God's children that he's entrusted to you. Remember that he loves them even more than you and that you don't have to be a perfect mom. Just be obedient as best you can with God's help on a daily basis and the outcomes are his. And so today, be encouraged. Know that we love you. We appreciate you. We know it's been a tough one, and yet you guys have been champs. And we're so proud of you, and we're so thankful for you. Let's stand together and let me say a word of prayer for you. Lord, I thank you for my own mom who was not perfect, is not to this day perfect, and yet her voice rings loud in my ear a voice of righteousness a voice of affirmation, a voice of love, Lord God, I thank you for these moms here today. I thank you for those who have invested themselves in this last year above and beyond what maybe they ever expected to do. And yet, Lord God, I pray that you will take their investment this year and you will just uh, you will bring a return on that investment in the years to come in a, in a closeness with their children in, a, in character being built in those children. And, and someday they'll look back on these difficult days and they will be the foundations of what has turned into great lives for these kids. Lord, I pray for the moms whose children right now may be facing the wrong direction. I pray that you'll give them the ability to turn it over to you, to keep trusting you, to keep walking in faith and knowing that ultimately the outcomes are up to you. Lord God, I thank you for these women who have given so much of themselves, so much more than most of us men, most of us children will ever fully understand. I ask that today, deep, deep in their heart, they would understand how incredibly important they are, how much that their efforts are appreciated, not just by their family, but by you, the one who entrusted them with those kids. And so today, Lord God, I pray that this would be for all of the moms a very, very happy Mother's Day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mom.